thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, uh, Ephesians 4. We're in that series, uh, Put Off, Put On, and um, we are in an interesting text today. Uh, it's one, if you read this chapter, you would want to just kind of pass right on over because it's very interesting where it is located, and I believe it is there for a specific reason, or I know it's there for a specific reason. And so I want to touch on that particular subject this morning, on that particular verse. Uh, today, what we're going to kind of do is we're going to look at what and, and how, and then next week we're going to unpack some whys or some characteristics that you see off this, and it'll make more sense in just a little bit. Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to go to verse 30, Ephesians 4.30. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, some translations you may have may say quench, okay, when you quench something, it's kind of like when you put out a fire with your hands or with some object, you kind of make that fire go a little bit lower, and then it's out, like blowing out a candle. If you were to grieve something, what would you do? Grieving is mourning, okay, or sorrow, or lament. And so if you're going to grieve something, you're going to cause sorrow on that, okay? Now, we understand that there is a trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I want you to, there, there's something we've got to really get to before we unpack this. Here's the question I have for you this morning. Is the Holy Spirit a person? Okay? If you answer that question yes, it's going to shed tremendous light on what we're about to look at. Because I'm afraid that a lot of people do not see the Holy Spirit as a person. Okay, They might see it as a wind or a breeze or something they can't see. Okay, Now, I've grieved the wind in the panhandle often. Have you been with me? I'm just tired of tumbleweeds. I'm tired of them being in front of my garage, and every time I raise the garage door, they go in. They're not even welcomed in there. I'm not even asking them to come over, okay? They're, they're not welcome. And there's many, many days in the spring in the panhandle, I am grieving the wind. I'm like, I don't like you. Go away. You're not welcome. I'm grieving the Holy Spirit, and I know i got friends with me on that, Okay? Uh, like Dr. Day said the other day, uh, he said, if the weather was like this every day in the panhandle, our population would be 2 million. But then spring comes. We thin them out in the spring. Amen. We thin them out in the spring. So, so let, let's go on a scripture hunt. Got to lick your fingers. We're going all over the place. Okay. First, we're going to start in Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. I could take you a little bit further. If you look at Genesis 1... It says, let us make man. I'll leave y'all with what us means. There must be more people there than one to be an us. Is that correct? 
Good. I'll just let y'all, y'all can just lay there on that little Trinity thing there for a second, okay? Look at, uh, look at Genesis 6.6. 6. Genesis 6.6. 6. And the Lord was grieved that he made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. <laughs> y'all feel good now, don't you? Good morning. All right. And he was filled with pain. I want you to flip over to Psalm. Let's go to Psalm 7840. 7840. Psalm 78, verse 40. How often they rebelled against him in the desert and grieved him in the wasteland. Him. Sound like he's a person, doesn't it? Isaiah 63.10, go there with me. 63.10, Isaiah. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Wow. Let me read that to you again. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit. So he turned, he would be whom? The Holy Spirit there, and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. Ouch. I thought he was on our side. He is on our side. So is the Holy Spirit a person? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. You see, if he's a person, he can be grieved. If he's not a person, he can't be grieved. You've got to be a person to have emotion, to have feeling. You can't grieve the wind. I don't care how many times I talk about the wind that I don't like it, it's not going to go cry or it's not going to pout. I'm not going to disappoint it. It's not a person. You can't feel that. But the Holy Spirit is a person. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus, all of it, okay? Can't separate that, okay? And so when the Holy Spirit of God is grieved, we bring sorrow and pain on him. See, it's different if he's a person than he is if he's a wind. Because I don't care if I grieve the wind, but I really care if I grieve the person of God and the Holy Spirit. See, it changes everything. See, I can blatantly say, it's just sin, no big deal, because it's just the wind. I don't feel his conviction, no big deal. But if I know that the person of the Holy Spirit is God himself, then I have grieved God. I don't want to grieve God. My sin cost him his son on a cross. I don't want to grieve him anymore. I don't want to grieve him anymore. So that's what it is. So how do we do it? Scripture says don't do it. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. So how do we grieve or quench the Holy Spirit? I want to look at four hows this morning, okay? And if you're taking notes, I want you to jot these four down because I know there's a bunch of others that we could throw in here, but I think the characteristics of these 
And we're going to look at some of those next week as we go through Ephesians. I want you to look at the first one. Um, Number one way we grieve the Holy Spirit is if we have ought against a brother. I want you to go to Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 5. I promise after this I only have one more scripture. Okay, Matthew chapter 5. Look at verse 23. Therefore, and remember when you see therefore in the Bible, you always want to ask, what's that therefore, therefore? If you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit is when you know you have ought against a brother or a sister and you ignore it. You can walk in here to the presence of the Lord and Paxton be leading us in worship and you sit there or stand there and know that you have ought against a brother or sister. Scripture tells you Don't do that. Don't offer your gift until you go make it right. You say, well, that's just, that means means my tithes and offerings. That's what it means. Before I give my offering, I need, no, that's not what that means. It's not what that means. Because the altar is the altar of worship and sacrifice to the king. It's worship singing. It's worship from your lips. It's worship Giving and offering is a part of worship. It is an extension of the worship service. But my friends, when you're in the presence of the Lord and you're worshiping and you know, you know that you have ought against someone, Scripture tells us immediately you go and make that right. That's what that would look like in church is simply this. If we have 400 in the house and there's 10 that have ought against someone and eight of them are in this, in this building, that during worship, there would be people going to people. You say, well, that's so unreverent. Oh, my gosh, it is not. That is so Holy Spirit church. Because, my friend, you can't lift dirty hands to a clean, awesome Savior, to a holy God. I don't care how long you hold them up and how high you lift them up. If in your lips you're singing, but in your heart you know you got ought, your heart's rotten, and he's only hearing your heart. He's only hearing it. You need to get that right immediately. Immediately. Because when you're set free, we're set free. So basically, if you walk into the house like that, You're keeping us from experiencing all the worship that God has in store for us because you sit in our presence with ought against a brother. You're holding back some of God's spirit. It's like taking a water hose and turning it on full blast, and then you realize way down there you got a kink. you got a little water coming out. But if you take that kink out of that hose, it come out real fast. Don't kink it. Don't kink it. If you know you got ought, you got to get it right. You say, well, they're 99% wrong. They should get it right with me. <laughs> it don't go like that. 
That's not God math. Sorry. That's not God math. We don't do man math. We do God math. Okay? I waited for my dad to come to me. He never came. And finally in college, I went to my dad. Come to find out, when I went to my dad and did what I did and laid that down, I was talking to a man who was not even born again. So how in the world was the Holy Spirit going to prompt him to make it right with his son when the Holy Spirit doesn't even live in him? I was waiting on a train that wasn't coming. And I would have missed ministry, and I would have missed churches that I served in, and guess what else I would have missed? You. I would have missed you. Never met you, never been your pastor. Because that moment in my life set me free, took chains off of me. Took them off. So don't kink the hose of the Holy Spirit. Unkink it and get all that God wants so that we, as a corporate body, made up of little churches, can have church. Because if the little church comes in wrong, it makes the whole church wrong. Don't come in here, okay? That's why Jesus said, God said, get sin out of the camp. <laughs> get sin out of camp. I'm not throwing you out. I'm just asking you to don't carry ought into worship. Make it right before you present your gift. Number two, very similar but not the same exactly is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. And here's what I mean by that. You can have ought against a brother, and you can visually see the person, and you know you need to get it right. Okay? But when you deal with unforgiveness, there may not be a face or a name associated with it. He said, I don't get it, preacher. I don't get it. It's not a ghost. No, it's not a ghost. It's you. It's you. The hardest person to forgive is ourselves. Now watch out. How can that impede my worship? (laughs) If you don't feel worthy of him to speak to you and worthy to lift hands to you because of something you did in your past, then guess what you're doing? You're quenching the Spirit of God in your life. I'm not worthy. He can't use me. I don't even know why. I mean, I feel ugly, dirty, and shameful and gross. Why would he want me? Why would he want to have anything to do with me? If you carry that kind of spirit into worship, how in the world are you going to engage with a God that's crazy about you? You're not even crazy about yourself. You've got to let that stuff go and quit being held by junk, by stinking thinking, unforgiving of yourself. You've got to say, I am new. I am new. The old is gone, the new has come. What's the scripture we've been looking at right up above that? 22, 23, and 24. That's what he's saying. He is talking to people who already know Christ. Okay? He's saying, you've got to put this off and put this on. And I'm going to tell you something. Unforgiveness with one another is one thing, but unforgiveness of ourselves is a whole nother. I know people, honestly, who have forgiven everybody in their past but themselves. And they're still dragging that chain. Still dragging it. 
Unfortunately, most of the time their head's not up. It's this. Because they can't even look up. Let me tell you something. If you can't look up and look in the mirror and say, I am forgiven, redeemed, born again. I'm a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You will never look up and worship. Never. Never. And some of you, and the reason it's so quiet in here is not because you're asleep. It's because I'm absolutely in your kitchen. And you need to let yourself be free. And quit being bound by your past and serve the God of your future. All right? You put him in the rearview mirror and you look out the big front windshield. There's a reason the front windshield is about 15 times bigger than the rearview mirror. Same thing in your life. Don't spend all your time looking at this little bitty square that way. You look at that big old window this way saying, That's my God. That's my God. I know, yeah, you'll have all these spiritual field people that come up to you and say, you remember what you did in high school? Yeah, I do. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you. That encourages me. You just got to let that go, man. There's always people want to help you be more like Jesus. All right? In church, you just got to let it go. Am I still trying to please man or God? If I was trying to please man, I couldn't be a servant of Christ. There you go. You're an audience of one, my friend. You're an audience of one. We're rolling. Number three, way you quench or grieve the Holy Spirit, unbelief. It's just going to keep getting quieter. <laughs> unbelief. Right? Unbelief. Some of us, I'm serious about this. Some of us in the past year, have had a front row seat to the miracles of God and his power and still struggle with unbelief. How in the world can you get a front row seat and see a miracle of God in your life and people you know and walk away six, eight, ten months later, a year later and go, well, I don't know if he can do that. I mean, what in the world? What in the world? I guarantee you, nobody that was with Jesus when he said, Lazarus, what are you doing, boy? Get up. Did they walk away going, well, you know, he, he did that once. He, I don't think he can do that again. God is not a one-time Charlie. He's not, all right? Some of y'all have the same unbelief about God as you do about the Cowboys. <laughs> well, you know, if we get the ball at the end, Romo, I, I, he pro he's probably going to throw, because we're supposed to be 8-8. Eight and eight. That's how y'all think God's supposed to be, 8-8, eight and eight, 500, mediocre. My God is not 8-8, eight and eight, mediocre. I'm just telling you right now, if he gets the ball in the last minute, dude, he is scoring Big time. And, and if you sit there in front of your TV watching God and go, well, you know, he probably can do, he probably can't, I'm just telling you. And you hear Troy Aikman saying, you know, he struggled in this area before. And you're like, amen. No, you got to quit, man. You got to quit that stuff because you're going to sound like them guys on Fox. You keep it up. You're going to go to church and somebody's going to do something. You go, well, you know, he, he probably not going to last. I know he got saved, but I, he probably he ain't that changed. You watch next week, he'll be cussing at work. 
Well, he'd be like you then. He'd be like you. And then again, if he doesn't cuss next week, he might be better than you. Who's leading who? See, that stuff just gets all over me if you can't tell. Because I hear people in church talk about how much God can't do. If all places that he ought to get a standing ovation is in the house. There's enough of that out there. Why join the choir out there? Why walk into the world going, yeah, he can't. We should be out there going, oh, he can. How you know? Because he did it in me. He did it in me. Let me tell you my Psalm 40. I'll tell you. He put me on a rock, a firm place to stand. And now I'm going to sing a song, a new song. And many will hear, and many will see, and many will put their trust in the Lord. Yeah, that's the one they're going to put it in. Not, well, you know, he probably, gonna, he probably can't do that. Now they ain't going to put their trust in nothing like that. Unbelief. Lack of trust goes along with that. Let's just boil it down. Let's just simply ask the question he's asking. Do you really trust God? Do you? Do you? Do you really trust him? Seriously. Do you trust him? You say, well, quit saying the same thing every time. Do you trust him? Because I'm going to tell you something. It doesn't matter what this answer is. It does not. It matters what this answer is. And what I'm seeing from the church today is a lot of this and very little of that. See, when you trust him, you got to let go. You just got to let go. You can't control it all. You can't mother hen it. You just got to let go. There's things that are happening in the world today that are begging for the church to stand up and say, I trust God. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but as for me, I trust the name of the Lord. You see, when you get the church freaking out like the world, mm, that's not good. That's not good, friends. When you get the little church freaking out like lost people or people of the world, people that have embraced the world, that's not good. It is time for the church little and the church big to sound the gong of how great our God is. Oh, we sing it. Now we got to walk it. How great is our God? Well, I probably shouldn't let my kids do that. You know, I better keep them up. Let go. They're not yours. I'm not telling you to be a terrible parent. I'm just telling you this. He's, they're his. They're his. Whew, I guess we ought to get to number four. <laughs> number four, disobedience. Just flat out disobedience. I say it a lot. On the other side of obedience is always blessing. You want to kink the hose in your life? Quench the spirit? Grieve God? Disobey. Disobey. Well, y'all ready for one more? Best for last. Go to Hebrews. 
This is probably going to mess up your donut right here. Sorry. <laughs> Hebrews 10, may have never seen this before, you will after today. Hebrews 10, 29. Hebrews 10, 29. How much more severely do you think a man desires to be punished? I mean, deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot. Who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant and sanctified him. And who has insulted the Spirit of grace. Some people wonder why God is not speaking to them. May I present to you that maybe the reason that God is not speaking to you is because you have insulted Him. I know that's heavy. Maybe the reason God's not speaking to you is because you have insulted Him. Because people that insult me, I don't normally speak to. You say, well, what do you mean by insulting God? Disobedience. Unforgiveness. Ought against a brother. Unbelief. Lack of trust. All of those insult a holy God. And so we want to insult God, but then we want God to speak. Maybe he's not speaking because he's asked you 467 times to do something and you've given him a no every single time or an excuse why you can't do it. Quit insulting God with your disobedience and be people that say yes to God, even if we can't figure it all out before we say yes, because we'll trust him, because we will trust him. I want you to go back to the text and we'll end with this. Go back to Ephesians. Chapter 4. And listen to it again. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. With whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Mm, watch out. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, which you were sealed for the day of redemption. You got saved. He sealed you. And one day, when you get to heaven, he will unseal you. And you will stand before God. You are sealed. A deep and confident hope will be the root of your life. Deep and confident root will be, will be the root of my life. That will be the root of my life that everything draws from. When I disobey God, when I don't believe God, when I don't trust God, when I don't forgive, 
When I hold aught against a brother, I insult the Holy Spirit of God. And I basically say with my life, my feet, and my lips, I have no hope. Mm. Yeah, you do. You, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of God for the day of redemption. You are hope. You have hope in the King. This morning, if you're living a life of hopelessness, stop. Because you have hope. You're a born-again child of the King. And this morning, if you're grieving the person of the Holy Spirit, stop. Just stop, man. Stop. This morning, this altar, it's open. If you know you've got aught, come right there. If you've been grieving the Holy Spirit out of unbelief, lack of trust, disobedience, whatever, come. Lay it down. Walk away free. This morning, if you're looking for a church home, hmm. This is a good one. No, this is the best one. I'm serious. Not because of me, because of these people right here. Sweet church. Beautiful church. Beautiful church. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, it's a heavy word. It's also a very freeing world. word. God, I pray we say yes to the Holy Spirit today. And whatever you said to us, we say yes. We're going to stand in just a little bit. And we're going to sing during your invitation. And I pray we respond to that. Whatever you said, set us free today. In Jesus' name.